Our scripture reading this morning is Genesis chapter 50. It's the last chapter of the first book of sacred scripture. Genesis chapter 50, and Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed Israel. And forty days were fulfilled for him, for so are fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him three score and ten days. And when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die. In my grave, which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan, there shalt thou bury me. Now therefore let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. And Pharaoh said, Go up, and bury thy father according as he made thee swear. And Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, and all the house of Joseph, and his brethren, and his father's house, only their little ones and their flocks, and their herds, they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. And they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond Jordan, and there they mourned with a great and very sore lamentation. And he made a mourning for his father seven days. And when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning in the floor of Atad, they said, This is a grievous mourning to the Egyptians, wherefore the name of it was called Abel Mizraim, which is beyond Jordan. And his sons did unto him according as he commanded them. For his sons carried him into the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah, which Abraham bought with a field for a possession of a burying place of Ephron the Hittite before Mamre. And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, and all that went up with him to bury his father after he had buried his father. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, so shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? 
But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived a hundred and ten years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation, the children also of Maker, the son of Manasseh, were brought up upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So, Joseph died, being a hundred and ten years old. And they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. This is the divinely inspired sacred Scripture. May God bless the reading of it to our hearts this morning. The text for the sermon is verse 20, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, Genesis chapter 49 concludes with the death of Jacob, and Genesis chapter 50 then raises the question, now what? And that question does not concern primarily the body of the old patriarch Jacob down there in Egypt, for Jacob made very plain to his sons before he died After I die, you take my body up out of Egypt and bring it into the promised land of Canaan that I may be buried with my grandparents, Abraham and Sarah, my parents, Isaac and Rebekah. And so, according to chapter 50, they did that. Rather, that question, now what, concerns primarily that burning issue in the souls of all of those older brothers of Joseph Now that Father Jacob is dead, what will Brother Joseph do unto us? For you know very well the history. Many decades earlier, the brothers sold Joseph as a slave into Egypt. And then after many extraordinary events through the providence of God, the brothers themselves would go down into Egypt to escape the famine in Canaan. And that's where they met again, their brother Joseph, only now he wasn't the 17-year-old shepherd boy, but he was a ruler in Egypt, second to Pharaoh in what is arguably the greatest nation of the world, having more power over them now than they ever had over him. And so with, with consciences that are stricken with guilt and all kinds of terror, they fall down before their, before their brother Joseph. And the great question is, Now what will He do unto us? Will He seek vengeance and requite us of all the evil we did unto Him? Will He pay us back? And so the text Genesis 50 verse 20 is the public testimony of faith that Joseph makes to his brethren. Brothers. 
But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. These are some of the most well-known, beautiful, and moving words that we read in the whole Bible. These are some of the most theologically rich words that we can find packed into one verse. God's counsel, God's providence, God's covenant, and the absolute sovereignty of God over all things, even over the evil intentions of men. And these words, while they do not form the very last verse of the book of Genesis, they do form belong to the conclusion to the book. The book begins with good. Everything is good. God made everything and behold, it was all very good. And then by the instigation of the devil, sin came and sin explodes through the whole creation. But all that evil that runs through the book of Genesis, and you can even find it in covenant homes, all that evil, all those evil intentions, they do not get the last word. They do not prevail. Our God is sovereign. Our God is good. And for the sake of Jesus Christ, He will work all things together for the good of His covenant people and the coming of the Messiah. And so Joseph now before his brethren says, Brothers, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Let's consider that testimony this morning. We'll take as our theme, but God meant it for good. And consider, first of all, the evil perpetrated. Second, the good accomplished. And third, the confession made. Joseph says to his brethren in the text, but as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it. It. God meant it for good. In that it refers to all of the evil. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. And that evil is the murderous attempt of the brothers to destroy Joseph. You can read most of the history in Genesis chapter 37. The patriarch Jacob was living in the land of Canaan and he had 12 sons and one daughter with four women. Now, it's not a surprise at all that we would find all kinds of trouble in a home where one man is having many children at the same time with four different women. So Jacob had one son named Joseph and he really, really loved Joseph because he was a child of Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel. And so father gave to son a special coat of many colors and that filled the ten older brothers with a bitter resentment for Joseph. So that according to Genesis 37 verse 4, his brethren hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. And their hatred only intensified when he had those two dreams, one of the sheaves and the other of the heavenly bodies. And through those dreams, he prophesied of his future supremacy and how they would bow down before him. They hated him all the more. But they not only hated him, they envied him. Genesis 37, verse 11, and his brethren envied him. Proverbs 27, verse 4, Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand? 
before envy. And all that hatred and envy within the brothers, it then came to expression in their, in their treachery and cruelty as they attempted to destroy Joseph. So one day out in some distant fields, these shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks by day. And over the horizon, here comes a figure and it's brother Joseph. 17 years old. And so they begin plotting how they'll take him, kill him, throw his body into a pit, and say that a wild animal destroyed him. And that's when Reuben stood up and said, no, 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 let's not kill him. But let's throw him into one of these deep, dry wells and leave him. And so here comes Joseph. He is completely unconscious of any of their murderous intentions. And for him, it's just another one of very ordinary days as a 17-year-old shepherd boy, and as he approaches them, they would do something unto him that neither he nor they would ever forget as long as they lived. As soon as he approached, they brutally assaulted him, taking him, tearing off his coat, and casting him in one of those deep pits. And there he falls to the bottom of the pit. You imagine that? How stunned he was? What's going on? The betrayal? The confusion? And he's down there at the bottom of the pit subject to the mercy of the elements having no food and water. And they gather themselves at the brim of the pit and they sit down in their calloused hatred and start eating their lunches. And that's when they look up and they see Ishmaelite traders coming down on their way to Egypt. And so they haul Joseph back out of the pit and they sell him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, which according to Leviticus 27 verse 5, is the price of a male slave between the ages of 5 and 20. He's 17. He fits. He's worth nothing more than a slave. They sell him. He trudges his way off to Egypt with the Ishmaelites and they watch him go convinced they will never see brother Joseph again. You know the rest of the story how he went into Egypt, was sold into Potiphar's house. That devilish wife of Potiphar tried to lure him in with fornication when he refused. She concocted this false charge against him. He was cast into the deepest prison of the king. And years and years and years later, by God's providence, he's out of prison. And now here he stands in Genesis 50 above his brethren. Evil. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. And that word evil emphasizes the experience of evil. And it was miserable for Joseph. Evil. That evil that the brothers perpetrated against Joseph was terrible, first of all, because it was intentionally perpetrated by human beings. There are many, very, very many painful evils in life. You remember, of course, what Job said to his wife, shall we receive good from the hand of the Lord? And shall we not receive evil? That was Job's word. Evil for the things he experienced. Not goods. Evils. That fire that destroyed his animals and his servants. And evil. That wind that smote the house of his children, killing all of his children in one day. 
That was an evil. Those boils that smote him from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, causing him to writhe in pain, that was an evil. But there is no evil that can make you feel so miserable and touch you so deeply in your personhood. As when another person intentionally tries to hurt you. Fire is not malicious. Wind, boils, do not intentionally oppose you in hatred. But Joseph's brothers were malicious. They were intentional. And Joseph emphasizes that in the text with the verb he uses when he says, but as for you, ye thought. Ye thought evil against me. That verb thought means to plan, to devise. It's taken from a a Hebrew root that literally means to weave. To take a whole bunch of things and weave them together. In other words, what the brothers did to Joseph, it wasn't that they accidentally hurt him and then they could immediately confess their sin and say, Brother Joseph, we're sorry. We, We didn't try to do that. It's not even that they were all of a sudden filled with a sudden rage And without any premeditation, they did something evil to him. They weaved this. They weaved this whole plan together. It was intentional. It was deliberate. It was very, very malicious and cruel. And it leaves wounds that are way, way deeper than any wound inflicted by fire or wind or boils. It's this kind of wind, this kind of evil that causes one to cry, why? Why did you do that to me? How? How could you have done that to me? Evil. Secondly, what makes this evil so terrible is that it was not only intentionally perpetrated by human beings, it was perpetrated by Joseph's brothers. It's bad enough to have an Egyptian seductress try to destroy you through fornication and then weave together this web of lies against you so you end up in prison. It's bad enough to have some enemy of the covenant outside of the church who hates you and tries to destroy you. Some ungodly co-worker next to you in the office who's plotting against you. That's bad. But your own brothers? Your own family. Proverbs 17, verse 17, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. If there's anyone in your life about whom you should have full confidence that they would never lay a finger upon you to hurt you, and they would never ever intentionally try to do anything against you. They would devise no plan of mischief against you. If there's anyone in your life who's been born for you, born for your day of adversity, to be there to love you, defend you, and protect you, that's your brother. 
That's the one of your own flesh and blood of your own household, my brother. And I was looking at his brothers that Joseph says, but as for you, brothers, ye thought evil against me. Third, what makes this evil so terrible is that it was worked by the serpent. Whether Joseph is fully conscious of it or not, this is the biblical theological truth of evil as is being worked out in the book of Genesis. There is the one great malicious evildoer who weaves together all kinds of plots to destroy the seed of the woman, and it is the serpent. All evil began with him as he instigated it in the beginning. And all evil continues with him through the Old Testament as he tries to destroy the seed of the woman. And any believing, God-fearing representative of God's covenant like Joseph. And years later, it would be the servant who would bring together the serpent, who would bring together the Jews and the Gentiles and Pontius Pilate and weave together a great and malicious plot to take the Lord of glory and have him crucified on a cross, the serpent of great evil. Evil. That's what Joseph calls the behavior of his brothers. Evil. And when he utters these words, but as for you, ye thought evil against me, they know exactly what he's talking about. It's been 39 years, you know. It's been 39 years. He was 17 when they sold him. He was 30 when exalted by Pharaoh. Seven good years of plenty. He's 37. Seven devastating years of famine during that second year of the famine. The brothers come down to Egypt. He's 39. And then they go get Father Jacob and he comes down. He's 39. And Jacob would live there in Egypt another 17 years before he dies, making Joseph 56. Joseph in Genesis 50 is 56. Minus 17, 39 years ago. And they don't feign ignorance. And they don't put these confused looks on their faces and say, Joseph, what are you talking about? Reuben. Reuben, do you know what he's talking about? Simeon, do you remember any of this? Evil? What is this evil of which he speaks? It's the raising of a great red flag of alarm when someone even years and years and years ago perpetrated some heinous sin, some crime, and now says, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember any of this. That wasn't Joseph's brother's. In genuine repentance, they acknowledge their great evil. In fact, they bring it up. Verse 15, And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. It's like it happened yesterday. Yesterday. 
And because they're so terrified, they don't dare face him, so they send a messenger to him, verse 17, to say, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of thy servants, of the God of thy Father. Forgive us. They know they did evil to Joseph. They know exactly what they did, and they're confessing all of that evil. These men are in their 60s and 70s. These are older men, and they are falling down on their faces before Joseph. They don't even dare look at him. That's verse 18. They're on their faces. Their consciences are screaming with guilt. They are pleading as beggars for mercy. Forgive us. They are servants before their master, Joseph, falling down before him. Evil. We perpetrated evil against thee. And then there stands Joseph up above them and he weeps. Verse 17. He's filled with emotion. And he says unto them, verse 19, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? And now the words of the text, But as for you, ye thought evil against me. The evil perpetrated. But, but, says Joseph, God meant it unto good. So you take all that evil, all that evil worked by the serpent, all that evil perpetrated by the brothers, all that evil that Joseph experienced and was so miserable to him in his body and soul. God God intended and God worked and God accomplished good in all that evil. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. The good that God accomplished was the preservation of His covenant people. That's taught in the last phrase of the text where we read, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. That's the good. To save much people alive. Years and years before this incident, God brought that devastating famine into the land of Egypt and all of the surrounding territories threatening to consume off the face of the earth all men and beasts. A devastating famine. And it not only threatened to kill an untold number of ungodly reprobate Egyptians, but the very family of Jacob, the peculiar covenant people of God in the land of Canaan. But even more importantly, it threatened to kill Judah and his son by Tamar, Perez. And though you don't see him here in the context, there's nobody in this history who stands more prominently than Judah because the Messianic line and the Messianic seed is running through Judah from Adam down through Seth and through Noah and Shem and through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and through Boaz and Obed and Jesse and David and all the way to our Lord Jesus Christ, there's the great messianic line. Judah stands in that line. And this famine is so devastating because if Judah dies, 
Then his son Pharez. If Pharez dies, the messianic line and seed will be cut off. There will never be any atonement for any sin. There will never be any righteousness before God. There will never be any salvation for anyone, but all human beings will perish under the just wrath of God. The covenant of God will crumble to dust, and the glory of God will be turned to shame if that line in Judah is cut off. But, God accomplished good. Don't you see it, brothers? As it is this day. The good that God has accomplished. He's preserved you. He's preserved the covenant family. The family of our father Jacob. But Joseph has no way of understanding the full import of the words that he speaks. Good. Here's the good. God has preserved this family right here. And brothers, it's very, very good. God's the one who took me out of prison. God's the one who gave me wisdom to interpret the dreams of Pharaoh to see seven good years of plenty, seven years of devastating famine, to begin gathering all this corn together in storehouses so that in Egypt here and all the surrounding lands, we would have something to eat. You would have something to eat. You can be preserved. But that phrase in the text, to save much people alive, it goes way beyond the family of Jacob. Much people? That refers ultimately to all of the elect, to the elect Jews in the old dispensation, all of the elect Jews in the new dispensation, the elect Gentiles from every nation, tribe, and tongue. You're in the text this morning. You are. You're, all, you're bound up in that word people. And so am I to save much people alive. If the messianic line is cut off, there's no gospel, there's no cross, there's no resurrection, there's no salvation, there is no covenant of grace. All men perish forever. God accomplished good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive Good. And how did God accomplish that good? It was through the evil that was perpetrated. So how do you connect these dots? Who could ever connect these dots? 17-year-old shepherd boy Joseph, a nobody in Canaan. And 39 years later, 56-year-old Joseph who's riding in Pharaoh's second chariot wears Pharaoh's ring and all the nations of the area are coming to this man to find food so that they can live. He's the ruler of Egypt. How do you go from this 17-year-old shepherd boy to the ruler of Egypt? No one could see this coming. That evil... All that evil, that malicious plot weaved by the brothers, and how it all gets worked out over time. All the good of the covenant, the good of the future Messiah, the cross, the salvation of much people, it has to be connected to all this evil. And now that brings us to the great theological realities of the passage. And the two great theological realities are God's providence and God's counsel. First, it is God's 
providence that allows us to connect all the evil that was perpetrated and all of the good that was accomplished. Providence. That's the teaching of the text in the words to bring to pass. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Providence, of course, is God's everywhere present almighty power. Providence is power. God's power to uphold and govern and control everything in the universe so that nothing happens by chance, but everything is brought to pass by God's providence. Providence. All the good... It was worked. It was brought to pass by God's providence. But so is all of the evil. God bears no responsibility for the sins that were committed, designed, and intentionally committed by the brothers. God didn't manipulate any of those men to hate their brother Joseph. God did not compel any of those men to devise evil against Joseph. Each brother willingly perpetrated that evil. And similarly, at the cross, God bears no responsibility for any of the heinous crimes and sins of iniquity that were committed against His only begotten Son on that cross. No responsibility with God. He's blameless. He can do no evil. He can think no evil. He can will no evil. Nevertheless, it's by His very hand of providence that He controls these brothers. In fact, Proverbs 21 verse 1 says that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever He will. God is absolutely sovereign in His providence controlling, controlling Those brothers controlling the Jews and the Gentiles when they plot evil against His Son at the cross. Now this is a great mystery. They bear full responsibility for everything they did. God is fully in control of everything they did. This is a great mystery to use the words of our Belgic Confession that surpasses our understanding. And we will not curiously inquire into it farther than our capacity will admit. But by grace, we will believe what the Scriptures very, very plainly teach. And we will humble ourselves before the majesty of our God. Providence By His providence, God controlled and God brought to pass all the evil of the serpent and all the serpent-like evil of the brothers for good. For good. He brought it all to pass for good. To bring to pass it is this day to save much people alive. So the whole history, 17 years Now he's 56 years old. The whole history, God's working everything by His providence for good. But we have to go deeper. Second, God's counsel, His eternal counsel, explains the connection between the evil perpetrated and all of the good accomplished. This is the most important teaching of the text. For we read, But as for you, ye thought evil against Me, but God meant it 
unto good. And that verb meant is the exact same verb thought. It's just translated into two different ways in the text. Thought, meant. They both mean to plan, to devise, to weave many things together. God meant it. The text does not say God worked it. That's true. God worked it. But that's providence, which we've already explained. This is not providence. God meant it. God thought it. God planned it. That goes all the way back to His eternal counsel. He planned it. Joseph does not merely go to providence for comfort. He goes to God's eternal counsel. We do not say enough about good and evil when we teach the sovereignty of God if all we do is stay in time and we speak of providence. We have to go back to God's counsel. When we teach the absolute sovereignty of God over all things, we do not do justice to God's sovereignty. In fact, we misconceive of His sovereignty if we suppose that evil arises and then God in His sovereignty arises and He takes that evil and He turns it unto good. We have to go all the way back to God's eternal counsel. The absolute sovereignty of God is manifested in the eternal good pleasure of His will whereby He determined all things that shall ever come to pass, including evil. God's counsel. Go back to God's counsel. Not only the good planned by God, but before the mountains were brought forth or ever God formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting, God planned all the evil that would be perpetrated through all history. The very plan of the devil in the beginning The plan of malice of all of these brothers. That malicious plan of Potiphar's wife to take Joseph into her bed. That was all eternally planned by God. Years later, the malicious plot of the Jews crying, crucify Him, crucify Him. And all the Gentiles together with Pontius Pilate when they took the Lord of glory and they crucified Him on that cross. That was eternally planned by God. What does Peter say in his Pentecost sermon of Jesus? Acts 2, verse 23, Him delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Ye have taken and with wicked hands have crucified and slain all. Even the greatest evil of the murder of God's Son all traced back to God's counsel. This is the rock of the absolute sovereignty of God over which all men will stumble in unbelief, and we will too, if God does not give us grace to believe what the Scriptures so plainly teach. We are not in control. You are not in control. No man is in control. No creature is in control. God is in control. God is sovereign. Yes, rational moral creatures, they have a heart and a will and a mind and a soul. And according to their will, they have intentions. They make determinations. And they willingly sin. But God is not only over them in His sovereignty, God is before them in His sovereignty. And God will accomplish all of His good intentions through the evil 
intentions of men. This does not make the brothers any less guilty, their sin any less sinful. They hated Joseph, not God. They spoke evil, not God. They cast him into the pit and sold him, not God. They are to blame. They are guilty. And at the same time, God is sovereign over all of it and before it, having determined all that shall ever take place. But you understand, He willed it all. Not for the sake of evil. Not evil for evil's sake. Not evil as an end in itself. That's not what the text says. But God meant it. It. That's all that evil. But God meant it. Eternally, He meant it. For what purpose? For evil. But God meant it unto good. He would be a most heinous, ungodly, wicked God. He would be unfathomably unholy if He eternally willed evil. For the sake of evil. But God meant all that evil unto good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Good, the glory of His own name. Good, the fulfillment of His eternal counsel. Good, the salvation of His people. The coming of the Messiah. Though you, brothers, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. These words then of the text are Joseph's confession that he made. So remarkable. Here are these brothers on their faces before him. They're full of terror and fear. Joseph standing up, wiping away his tears. They're convinced he'll destroy them now. And this is Joseph's public confession. Brothers, fear not. For I trust in God. And though though you meant all of this for evil, God meant it for good. That's his confession. This, This really is the greatest display of God's grace in the whole text. The whole text is true. Every word of the text is true. It's all the revelation of God, His counsel, His providence, His covenant, His Messiah, His salvation. It's all His grace. But you know what the greatest display of His grace is? That He gives Joseph the faith to believe this and to confess this. In prison. And right here, to say it. I believe it. That though you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Isn't that remarkable grace? Not only do unbelievers never say this, there are children of God who don't say this. Not right now. They can't say it right now. That's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. 
their faith is so weak, almost less than a flicker, and they're not able to say it right now, that all this evil, all this evil, God is intending this for good. And that underscores how we need God's grace and how Joseph needed God's grace. Otherwise, he would never be able to believe and confess as he does. All earned for him by the Lord Jesus. Astonishing grace. First of all, it is grace that makes Joseph in this confession compassionate and willing to forgive. Had the brothers been impenitent, he still would have confessed God's goodness in all of this, but not to comfort them. He would have warned them, brothers, you don't have to fear me, but you must fear the holy and living God with whom you have to do and that He will bring just retribution for this evil. Brothers, repent. And that that would have been a very compassionate thing to do. They were penitent. They were crying for forgiveness. And so here Joseph confesses, you thought evil against me, and now that father is dead, you're terrified that... I'm going to seek vengeance and repay you a hundredfold strip, each one of you naked. Lash you and lash you with a scourge. Force you into hard slave labor and throw you into the deepest dungeon of Egypt and there let you rot and die. Brothers, I love you. I am so glad that God has brought you to sincere repentance. I will not hold all this evil against you. Why? Why should I be angry and resentful? For God has meant all this evil for good. May God give you and me the same spirit given to Joseph, which is the spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. When he was hanging on that cross and there were those chanting, crucify him, crucify him. And what did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And later on Pentecost, God comes and he saves some of them, brings them to repentance, forgives them. compassion, and a forgiving spirit. Second, it is the grace of God in Joseph here in his confession that makes Joseph humble. Humble. So that he confesses, ye thought evil against me, but I will not vaunt myself up into the highest heavens above God and foolishly charge God with sin. Why did you bring all this evil and the trouble and the trauma of the last 39 years? Why? Brothers, neither will I exalt myself over you and put my foot on your necks and say, vengeance is mine. I will repay you. Brothers, I too am a sinner. 
I deserve to perish everlastingly. I am nothing but a sinner saved by grace. Though you were so wrong, I'm so glad God has brought you to see that. You were so wrong to do what you did against me and how you hurt me. I know that God meant it all for good. And I submit to His will. And may God give you and me that spirit He gave to Joseph. It is the Spirit of the Lord Jesus who when He was hanging on that cross suffering far greater agony than Joseph ever suffered. In fact, suffering the very wrath that Joseph, you and me, much people, that all of us as much people deserve to suffer. Not only that hatred of ungodly men. He was suffering the full wrath of God The will of God for the Savior, it was so painful. But he submitted to it. God is good even in this. May God give us that spirit. And third, it is grace that makes Joseph in this confession devoted to God and His covenant people. Devoted to God and His covenant people. Because by nature, Joseph would not be able to turn away from himself he, he would confess, brothers, ye thought evil against me and now I'm a victim of your treachery. And my life is forever changed and there will never be any good for me as long as I live all this honor I have in Egypt. It will never cover the scars and the wounds of my heart. You've ruined me. Brothers, you've ruined me. Isn't God's grace amazing? (laughs) That Joseph confesses, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. We would all expect him to, to confess, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save me. Alive. But that's not what Joseph says. Now, what is the truth that undergirds our faith in all trouble and when evil is perpetrated against us? It's the truth that God is working all things together for me. For my good. For my preservation. For my glorification. That's the truth we bring to every beleaguered believer. Brother. Oh, dear brother. I cannot even begin to fathom All the evil that has been perpetrated against you by your own family. It's horrible. But this I know, and I pray to God that you will know and believe this too, that all of this evil you're experiencing right now, God is working it together for you to shape, mold, and form you unto the image of Jesus Christ and one day fitting you for glory. It's for you, brother. And that's what we all say to our sister. Sister, my heart goes out to you in everything you've endured. I can't even fathom the evil that's been perpetrated against you. That another human being would do this to you. It defies my understanding. But I believe, I pray God you'll believe that all this evil, God's working it for your good. And though you're sowing in tears right now, sister, you are going to reap in joy. 
you will. So mighty is God's grace working in Joseph that he looks away from himself. Just like Jesus on that cross. He looks up at God. He looks at the much people he will save by that cross. Joseph looks away from himself. He looks up to the covenant God and to the much people that God preserves, including you and me. Brothers, God meant all of this for good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Brother, here's the problem with you. Part of the problem with you, the reason you're on the ground right now, terrified, supposing that I'm going to seek vengeance and retribution and pay you back for everything you did against me is because you're wrongly assuming. You're wrongly assuming that this is all about me. That I make this all about me. It's my hurt, my scars, my wounds, my trauma, my victimhood, my story, my tears, and my life. And you know what? If it were all about me, well, then of course I would say, all right, I have all authority in Egypt, vengeance is mine, and now I get to repay you. Man for man, for everything you did against me. Brothers, it's never been all about me. Go back into the prison in the lowest of all lows. Find the butler if he's still alive. Ask him, what? What did Joseph talk about in prison? Was it all about him, him, him? Or was it all about God, 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 and God's covenant people? Ask him. Brothers, it's never been about me. God, you meant it all for evil, but God meant it for good, for great good, for the unfolding of His covenant promise to a thousand generations, for the bringing of His promised Messiah, for the salvation of much people, all His covenant people. Great covenantal good. And I submit to that. And He will have all the glory. So beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord, may God give to you and me the faith of Joseph. By His almighty grace, work through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that whatever the evils of your life may be, all the troubles that God brings into your life, you can confess. But God meant it unto good. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Thy Word is true. And Thy Word is beautiful. Now take it and plant it deeply within our hearts and within the hearts of our young people, our children, our boys and girls that together with one heart and one voice, we may now sing that Thou art good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.